Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Morning Spiel is on 103.3 WKMZ. All right, so at this point, you must be living under a rock, or you're just maybe you're maybe you're driving through West Virginia. I I, I don't know, uh, but if you're if you were anywhere near Morgantown or the state of West Virginia on Saturday night, you're now aware WVU has reclaimed the brawl for themselves. But it's time to move on. That's the thing is uh, you got to do this every week. WVU Texas Tech coming up Saturday, and uh, it's a Texas Tech team. They're coming in. Uh, real cold. Yes, they did win last week against Tarleton, uh, but otherwise, this has been a Tech team that has not looked good much of the season. And the question now is, can West Virginia indeed turn the corner against Texas Tech uh, or from Pittsburgh against Texas Tech and get focused for a game that all of a sudden looks like West Virginia should be favored in? Mike Osti of West Virginia Sports now in the Mike Drop podcast joins us as he does every single Tuesday. Mike, that is the the lead-in for you. I, I I pose it to you. Can West Virginia turn their focus appropriately after a big emotional uh, rivalry game win without their starting quarterback and for part of the game they're starting running back? Can they, can they switch gears now? Well, I will answer, Alex, the exact way the question was posed to uh, give you the, the my, myself and, and my you know my take here literally is they can yes they can will they is an entirely different question though and will they you have to assume they probably will if for nothing else like the game against Pitt they were facing a team that I said it to you before I believe Pitt to be overrated I believe the quarterback can make a lot of mistakes that's why he was at a new school in year six. I believe Pitt kind of was the perfect storm that if you're going to have a quarterback go down and your offense can't move the ball and a QB win a game with 60 yards passing, which doesn't really happen unless it's the 1950s at any level, then Pitt would be the opponent because that's what they did the week before and they hand the game to the opponent a little bit. And it's a great win for WU, but Pitt aided in that victory for sure. Texas Tech kind of the same deal. They just haven't been good. They haven't been the Red Raiders of old. This is not a team that throws up 40 points a game like they have in past years, win, lose, or draw. But this is a program that has given West Virginia nightmares, even on good WVU teams since the Big 12. They just never could handle Texas Tech. And that's the game that kind of really ended last year, even though it didn't literally, where JT threw the three picks there in Lubbock. That era is over, and the program basically sent a subtle message we're rebuilding and pretty much quit on the year. So that, I think, is the moment that West Virginia fans would like to get over and not only get revenge on Pitt and win the brawl, but beating Texas Tech would be kind of symbolism. It would be more important in a way than beating TCU, who's been a top dog and who you almost beat last year. It would be great, but Texas Tech is that program that you just can't get over the hump against, and you don't want to keep saying that Texas Tech is beating you. So they can, they probably should, Maybe they will because of the circumstances, but as you alluded to, as I've been writing about and talking about as well, they won the brawl. That's great. You got jubilation for the first time with Brown. It's by far his biggest win, I've been arguing. They had to do it. 
all that is good. Doesn't matter that Djokovic threw three picks. You got the win. But if you turn around and lay an egg at Texas Tech, you know, it'll still be in the record books, but it's not going to feel as good. Like the luster will, will be uh, a little bit off the draw win unless you carry this on. And it's not a test. It's not a great team they're playing, but it's a test that they keep on giving that same energy against Texas Tech. I think I like the idea of it being a test in the sense that we're, we're and I, I said this about Virginia Tech last year, the problem was what we learned after that Virginia Tech game. I, I think the test is, can West Virginia handle a team that on paper it looks like they're clearly better than? And I, I think last year we saw that in Virginia Tech, and that Mountaineer team just could not, I mean, under any circumstances, they could not handle success, it felt like. Every single time they would come off some kind of big win, the letdown occurred the following week, uh, like clockwork. And I, I don't know if that DNA, from what it looks like so far, that DNA doesn't appear to be in this Mountaineer team, but small sample size, it's early. I'm, I, I guess I'm curious. You said they can. Do you think that they actually will uh, turn the corner and, and recognize that last week was last week and this week is this week? I, I do think for this week at least. Like it, Again, it doesn't appear that DNA is there, and the coaches and even some players have kind of said some things in press conferences. I don't know if you've noticed, and we haven't always you know, dug in and covered it, you know, because it's, it's not, it would look like we're trying to start drama. But Jordan Leslie in particular has said that when the secondary was so bad, he saw the rest of the defense immediately come over to them and say, hey, get it next play. And he said the words. I haven't seen that in my years at WVU. I didn't even see that last year with Stills here as a leader. That tells me that's a little shot. Like he's kind of like subtly saying, we didn't have chemistry and leadership before. Like, we weren't a unit. We weren't a team. We weren't a brotherhood where if this guy messes up, you don't just ostracize him. You pick him up. They have that now. So players have been talking. They were wearing brotherhood shirts. I know they were hanging out. I do believe they're more friends than they were before. All of that might be ridiculous, and there's been a lot of championship teams over the years that were not friends and got in physical altercations with each other and then won big but this team, I do feel like what you're saying is important. Like, if they're not going to have the most talent on every field, they do need to have a brotherhood. They probably do need to be friends, and they do need to be together. So that all does appear to be there this year that maybe wasn't before. And, you know, it makes you wonder, like, how could you have NFL talent and stills there? The Still brothers always been talked about as leaders. Even NFL scouts said that. How could they be there and have that? But I guess we're just past litigating why there wasn't leadership before and it does appear that maybe it's there now like Arthur Burks even said that he thought they fell apart in games last year because they had lack of communication and they had lack of vocal leadership on the field he's trying to bring that this year so again those are signs that I think the team will stay together now do they bring the energy they brought in the brawl I mean Alex that was the best defensive effort I've seen from Mountaineers in probably three years and you know what I can compare it to that we talked last week? Did the entire atmosphere almost feel very similar to the Jets when Aaron Rodgers went down on Monday <laughs> night? Like, the guy you're believing in goes down four plays, you got a backup who's not showing you anything, and your defense says, nope, we're not losing this game. I don't care what happens. Like, that's the energy they brought. And 
the Jets turned around and didn't bring it the next week. So will West Virginia, I guess, again, is the question. I do believe they will, but they're going to have to keep on doing this the rest of the season. They can't do it against Texas Tech and then lay an egg against TCU, who's weaker than last year. Lay an egg to Houston, who's not very good, etc. Yeah, bit of a obviously bit of a difference in that Texas Tech is reeling right now, whereas the Dallas Cowboys appear to be uh, headed sure. potentially for a deep <laughs> playoff run. One note here: so WVU has not beaten Texas Tech since 2018, and uh, it's interesting because if you yeah if you if you well <laughs> it is wild because you you definitely don't look at Texas Tech and think to yourself you know this is an unbeatable but this has just been a demon right. that Neil Brown has not been able to exercise. But what's interesting when you when you look at Going into this week, WVU is coming off again. I, I think there are probably going to be able to be some comparisons drawn between the Pitt win and the Virginia Tech win from from a year ago. But that aside, WVU has very clearly on the tape played pretty well through the first three games this season. Uh, I think the Penn State game, we talked about it. That was an issue of, well, they, they didn't execute badly. They didn't play badly. They were very clearly outclassed. Talent wise, so if you look at the in the totality of the first quarter of the season, I think WVU fans are probably pretty pleased, and the tape looks pretty good. They are home. You should. I mean, I, I think maybe the word that would appease every WVU fan is they've definitely played better. You yeah. could argue they haven't always played well because early on in the game against an FCS team in Duquesne, sure, they yeah. struggled mightily. They allowed Duquesne to be way better than them than they were against Coastal, so it shows Duquesne's not a world beater at their level. West Virginia had a, a sleepwalking situation to start the game. The secondary has legitimately been bad. So two out of three games, the secondary has been worse than bad, and they were very good against Pitt. But you could argue again, as Pitt fans will tell you, and they were saying in the press box, this is more about Fuljerkovic throwing his three picks, and he's really, really bad, and we got to bench him. So we'll find out. If yeah. the WU secondary turns around and gives you the Duquesne and Penn State performance throughout the rest of the season, and Jerkovic is still throwing picks, maybe it was more about him sucking than WU stepping up. So I think West Virginia, though, overall has been better. Like, they haven't missed as many tackles as they have in past years. They've stayed consistent with the running game. They didn't you know, dominate with it and then give up on it. They're staying consistent. I think Neil Brown has actually been more aggressive with some play calling, even though it's still to be desired. They've actually had quarterback play, whether it be Green or Nico, that hasn't killed them at times. They haven't made horrible mistakes besides Nico's one fumble. Like, again, they have been better. Are they good enough that Brett McMurphy has them in the Gator Bowl? Like, that seems a bit much <laughs> off of one back there brawl win against an average pit team. Are they so good that they're going to run through the conference. I don't know. Are they worse? No. Like, I don't think they're last year and worse. And last year was 5-7 and seven in a roller coaster. To me, there's plenty of signs that they are better than last year, which at least leans to beating Texas Tech. So where I was going with that, by the way, is that Texas Tech – so obviously they played okay against Oregon in that loss, but I think you would look at – the, the difference here is that you would look at two out of the three performances for Texas Tech uh, haven't been that great. Their their loss, uh, well, a good team effort against Charlton. The passing offense was kind of a disaster. Uh, and then the loss to Wyoming still kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to open the season. And it, it, it 
kind of makes me wonder, and this is where I'm, I'm hoping you'll be able to weave a little narrative for us here, uh, or at least explain a little narrative for us here. Texas Tech is coming in to Milan Pushkar Stadium right now as a pretty significant ho- uh, a road favorite. And I'm not sure they've earned that. No, and that is odd. The, the Vegas betting this year has kind of been odd all over the place, to be honest. And usually Vegas is right on the money. But Vegas, of course, started the season thing in Colorado was going to be a 20-and-a-half-point underdog despite 80 players being new from the year earlier. That was insanely crazy. Then they have them as a 24-point favorite, and they barely win an OT. So Vegas has been missing, and it is odd. And I think, number one, a lot of that is leaning off of the past that West Virginia just cannot handle Texas Tech because I guess the narrative I can tell you is thematically they pretty much always are the same. So the argument is that Texas Tech has never been elite during these years that West Virginia can't beat them. Sometimes the view has actually been a better team overall, but they can't beat Texas Tech because schematically for some reason what Texas Tech does is causes West Virginia problems. But I, the backyard brawl was a split spread until like two days before the game, and then West Virginia got a little bit of the edge. But I thought a lot of those bets were people being negative about Pitt because of Cincinnati and because of Jerkovic, not even really betting on the Mountaineers because they like the VU. So it's hard to say because of the spread. I don't think that will get brought up by Brown to his team. More will get brought up because I believe Ruffin is the only player that ever has a career win against the Red Raiders. And Brown said, I didn't know that. You must be really old. And he's been there a while. <laughs> so they, they, they need this win for their psyche. A lot of this even getting the brawl win. Like, again, it doesn't show they're this elite team. But the vibes are much better at 2-1 and one than they would have been at 1-2 and two going to the conference play against a team that haven't beat. So I think that spread is crazy. Again, the only other thing I guess can say is Wyoming's been competitive with a lot of teams. It wasn't just Texas Tech. So, like, maybe that's a little bit of a mulligan because at that level they've been competitive. But, no, Texas Tech should, should beat them handily. So, well, maybe they're due also. I mean, Texas Tech loses this game, and their season is, is almost over, certainly unless West Virginia really turns it on and has a great year. So a lot of important games early on, but you're at home. You're going to quickly go on the road. You showed you can be better than you were last year. You're facing a team that's not really very good. Even if Nico's out there, I think it's the same strategy. It is establish the run, let CJ take over at times, have your defense play with their hair on fire. I do believe they can do that. This is an NFL season. You can do it you know, every Saturday once, once a week. And Nico got to be smarter because he still had moments in the brawl that could have lost them the game. CJ had his helmet taken off penalty that almost could have cost them too. Like, they got to be smarter. They can't rely on a dumb penalty being being covered up by still throwing a pick yeah so and, and it's it's funny i know we we've spent a, a good deal of time kind of like greasing up the actual uh kind of the history of this uh the I, I hate this term but the recent history of this game and we haven't really talked as much about you just alluded to it uh nico markiel probably gonna be starting this game i think you know i don't think it was officially confirmed but it, it sure feels like that's where this is headed based on what uh some of neil brown's post game press conference uh, comments were like, mm-hmm. where where are you getting a feel on this and, and where are you getting a feel as far as what the coaching staff is is planning to do uh, with Nico and what looks like could very well be the first start of his career? 
Yeah, so Neil Brown is notorious, as you know, a coach that does not want to give any hints on who's going to start a game, whether he knows or not. He does this week one usually. He even does this throughout seasons. He did it last year after JT's three pick. He still tried to tell everybody he maybe would start the next week, and everyone was like, oh, he already benched him once. It's not going to happen. So this is a Neil Brown type of thing. But this also could be that maybe he literally doesn't know because, as I told you off the air, this is a little bit of a difference of moving your press conference to Monday versus Tuesday or Wednesday, like you mean, I mean, Monday, not even 48 hours later from the game, they maybe don't know. So I would guess Nico's going to start. I do think Nico can manage the game well enough. Maybe Garrett Green still doesn't give them enough in terms of athleticism. Like the coaches did say, if Garrett Green cannot give you what Garrett Green does best, and that is athleticism, then he's not going to play even if he maybe gets medically cleared. If he cannot be a dual-threat QB that can scramble, he's not going to play. They believe, it appears, what I'm hearing is if we're looking at a game manager, Nico is better for them. If we're looking at explosive plays, it's Garrett. But if Garrett's not only 75%, they're going to throw Nico in. And what that means is, and Brown even admitted this, the playbook doesn't even go in half. It goes to like 25% of what it was. So that's what Nico was working with against Pitt. That likely will be, again, the situation in Texas Tech. And maybe that's good. I mean, that's what that's what people are arguing the Jets got to do with Zach Wilson. They're trying to run too many complicated plays. you got to make it really simple that it's almost boring for you calling plays. Give them, like, five and say a lot of it got to be on the ground. Like, that's going to be the game plan with Nico in there. It doesn't appear, though, that Garrett Green's out for the year or anything crazy. I mean, then you have the whole debate that's going to exist at some point, no matter how the season finishes, that like if Garrett really never plays again and gets another year of eligibility, that's two more years, even if Nico's good, like what do you do in the future? Because Nico's not going to sit after starting and then once transferring. But I don't think Garrett's out for the year, but I, I do think Nico's starting this game. And it'll be a, a heavily reduced playbook that will probably be a similar result to the backyard brawl. But I will tell you, I think Nico's probably going to need to throw more than 60 yards. Yeah. Like, you can't start over your first five and have 60 yards passing against the Red Raider team that will air it out, even if they also give up a lot. Yeah, and, and they did throw the ball a bit more effectively against Org. I mean, I really don't know how to explain. Maybe it just wasn't necessary because they. I know they had a couple of, I think they had a defensive score early on and, and did a lot of their damage outside the passing game. But the passing game was not particularly efficient or effective uh, against a... Yeah, this uh, isn't Texas Tech from 10 years ago. Yeah, it, it throws 40 yeah very right. very strange. But, but it, was, it was better against Oregon. They did throw three picks in that game. So, again, it's been kind of a mixed bag for Texas Tech. Even in the, like, the best moments of the season have, for them have been marred. But uh, real quick, before I let Here. you go, what have you heard about C.J. Donaldson? Yeah, so he's fine. He did get banged up, and it appeared for a second he was going to leave the brawl. He didn't. He, he, he appears fine. The, the only real major injury that we'll see if it impacts West Virginia is Montre Miller. So Neil Brown did say yesterday that Miller out for the year and even told us he's looking to apply for a waiver. We're going to help him do it. Like, there is no even chance of this man playing. So that's unfortunate because the secondary really needed him or else they wouldn't have brought him in. Like, he's a transfer addition. The secondary has been bad in two or three games. They got to pick it up. They have been good. The stars in Octoberts and Beanie Bishop got picks. Anthony Wilson was laying out hits. That got to continue on, but there's not as much depth. 
So if Beanie Bishop and Ari Burks are not basically going to be on PFF's top 15 list every year or every week for, for secondary players, they're probably screwed. Like, the backups now are getting diminished. But Monte Miller is an underrated piece that they have not really had since Penn State. He had three tackles in that game, and he's out for the year. C.D. Donaldson should be healthy. He should be ready to go. They should have the running back room fine. But that's a hit, losing Monte Miller, especially – the teams are probably still going to try to test them. Like, Pitt did it, but it was with Jerkovic. So I'd imagine if you're the opponent, you're going to say, that might just be the QB was bad. We're also going to test the secondary and see what happens early in the game. But maybe West Virginia will step up again. Yeah. Uh, we got to leave it there. Uh, Mike, what, what are you working on? What uh, When's the latest mic drop coming out? Yeah, so generally at some point this week it'll be released. I don't have a date right now. But WB Sports Now, there's a lot of basketball recruiting actually kind of going on under under the scenes, but also, of course, a lot with this football program, uh, a lot there. And got some soccer teams that are also pretty freaking good as well um, that I don't know if people are fully aware of. So definitely WB Sports Now for that coverage. And there's pressure. I mean, I got a commentary that I'm actually going to drop here in about an hour. Like, big win for Neil Brown in the program, as we talked about. That cannot be followed with an egg, or fans may still you know, tweet about it before future brawls, but it's not going to mean as much. You hate to be in that situation week by week this year for Brown, but that's the reality he put himself in. Yeah, that's a great point. Don't want this to be a footnote, want this to be a launching pad, but we'll talk about this more on Tuesday, and I'm sure... There will be a lot to talk about next Tuesday when uh, when the time comes. Mike, appreciate it as always. Yeah, have a good day, man. See you, man. Uh, and that was a good segue, by the way, because uh, we're going to talk soccer coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, WVU men, one of the top teams in the nation right now. Got to hit this break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.